oh, those non-vaccinated people will still be taking their masks off and we won't know. And welcome to episode number 137 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we have a lot to cover, a lot of callbacks to previous shows, stories that there are updates on, and all sorts of crazy things going on in the world. I mean, our last episode was about uh, colonoscopies. Hence the title colon blow. And as if on cue, the medical community now recommends people to get the procedure done when you hit 45 now, where the recommendation was 50. And I believe we had talked about at one point in the past that the reason was that there is a change in the stats that the prevalence of colon cancer in younger people has been growing so it's definitely something that you should get checked out if you're in that age group just a public service announcement crypto which we've talked about a lot in the past having a very interesting day going down and causing so much traffic that coinbase one of the companies that deals in crypto one of the few that is publicly listed now, FDIC insured, all that kind of stuff. Their app and their website was unavailable for quite a while as these crypto prices both crater and also bounce. It's a very strange thing because you can see massive swings going down, then very massive swings going right back up. In this case, it seems to have been prompted by a few things. The original kind of slow downturn came after Elon Musk jumped out of the Bitcoin game, talked about how much power it takes to deal in Bitcoin. And what happened then last night was it appears that the Chinese government is making some waves by warning people about crypto and there are other countries like india which have put regulations into place and are going down the pathway to making dealing in crypto in any way shape or form illegal and the big question is what is going to happen here in the united states and we're not really quite sure yet cuz joe biden we're never sure if he knows what's going on where he is what he's doing But the people that he put in charge of these things have made comments about Bitcoin, especially being used for illegal activities. And this latest pipeline hack, which was allegedly committed by a group called Darkside, if you believe the narrative. And they were paid out about five million on the pipeline deal, I believe, but they're about 90 million. Over the last nine months or so, it appears that this group was paid out in ransomware. And the way these payments are going, 
are in crypto, which is a concern for governments. And it should be a concern even for people that are very bullish on the crypto concept is that it's very easy to transfer funds fairly anonymously. Now, there are records of where the money goes when you're talking about Bitcoin, but there are also illegal services that more or less act as a mixer. So think about taking all of your funds and putting them into a blender and then they shoot out the other side. So it kind of cleans the money that way. And the reality is without cryptocurrency, it would be very hard for people involved in ransomware. And if you don't know what ransomware is, that's when your computer gets hacked, your system gets hacked. They encrypt your files so you can no longer access them. And then you have to pay them in order to get those files back, to be able to decrypt and once again use those files. Of course, you're dealing with criminals and whether they're actually going to give you the ability to get your files back, who knows? But the concept of cryptocurrency makes it very easy for people that are committing crimes like this to get paid off. Cryptocurrencies have made it very easy for things like paying for illicit drugs and all sorts of other things where it makes it harder to be able to figure out where that money's going to track things. And of course, the government wants to track things. So it wouldn't surprise me at this point if the United States started going down the path to criminalizing all cryptocurrencies. I mean, well, they'll probably come out with their own first, but then they will probably go down the line to make all crypto illegal. Right now, when it comes to, well, I don't know now, after the big crash over the last 24 hours, but the amount of cryptocurrency, the amount of money in cryptocurrency eclipsed the total amount of dollars in circulation in the United States. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of just how much crypto is out there. But this crash and bounce over the last day is certainly real here. And I can tell you exactly the fallout on this. As of right now, Bitcoin is down to 37,000. That's down about 12 points. It was down way more than that earlier. Ethereum down 21%. The Cardano is currently bouncing back nicely to $1.80. But to give you an idea of what's been going on in the past day on something like Cardano, Within the last 24 hours, it has been to a high of $2.09 and a low of $1.05. So pretty much doubling. If you could if you could have bought in at the dip and get up to that high end, I mean, of course, it started at the higher and it's going lower, but it's bounced back. It went down to $1.05, according to Coinbase, and it's back at $1.80. So you can see that with crypto, the money can disappear just about as quickly and it can gain just about as quickly as well. Uh, Bitcoin over the last 24 hours, a high of 43,878 
And according to Coinbase, it dropped to an even $30,000. So about a $13,000 swing within 24 hours. And that's weird that it went down to an exact 30,000. Coinbase, of course, went down, which is a huge issue when people are trying to either buy or sell cryptocurrencies, which is why there is still so much work to be done for any cryptocurrency to be considered anything anywhere near stable. The volatility in the prices means if you're going to play in crypto, it's kind of like going to Vegas and you can't forget that because you can watch your money disappear or double just as in a blink of an eye. And that's something to be aware of. And if you're going to play in it, understand that. But also you have to be aware of what is going on in the crypto market. Because when somebody like Elon Musk says something, when the Chinese government says something or the Indian government, the minute something is said, the clock has started and it doesn't take long. It could be just mere seconds before value starts disappearing from whatever coin we're talking about or all coins. And you have to be aware of what's going on. And make those decisions quickly. And if you can't make those decisions quickly, as we found out today, when the bottom is falling out, quite often the services that you use to buy and sell these cryptocurrencies get overloaded, become non responsive. So all you can really do is watch when you can't get into your account when you want to buy or sell. And, uh, which again, there's a lot of work to be done. This is why crypto is still in the infancy. I think a crypto will eventually rise to the top, but I'm guessing it's going to be one that is sponsored by a major government. And then the reason for a lot of people owning crypto has just gone right out the window. Like masks, a lot of masks have gone out the window now. And unless you're living under a rock, you have heard that the CDC here in the United States has decided that masks are no longer needed for people that have been vaccinated. At least that's what they're saying. When you go out into the public to either outdoors or indoors. Now, of course, the issue that a lot of people point out is, well, you don't know who's been vaccinated or who hasn't been vaccinated, but that doesn't really matter. I mean, that's an argument that's being had that doesn't matter whatsoever because the reality is that the CDC made this decision. They made this change in policy on the heels of another announcement, which is something we told you about here on the Random Thoughts podcast All the way back on episode, let me look here, episode number 86 from May 27th, 2020. So almost a year ago, we talked about the interview that Adam Curry of the No Agenda podcast did with Maurice DeHunt, the statistician who said, um, this is aerosolized. This virus spreads through the air. And this was something 
that all of the major health organizations have been fighting, have been saying was a lie, was untrue, was not the way things were spreading. Well, the CDC, about a year after Maurice DeHunt said this, finally got on board and admitted that COVID-19 spreads through aerosol, which means it is in the air you breathe. What this means is that, and I hate to bury the lead, masks do nothing to prevent you from spreading or receiving the virus. Viruses are too small to be stopped by surgical masks, to be stopped by face coverings made out of cotton or whatever these things are usually made out of when you buy these reusable and washable masks. Those things have been nothing but a fashion accessory. I hate to tell you, but we called that a long, long time ago. And the CDC, a lot of people don't seem to be picking up on this now. When the CDC says it's aerosolized and then a couple of days later says, ah, you know, you don't have to wear the masks anymore because, you know, the vaccines are working, which they appear to be. And people will scream at me for saying that. But the reality of the situation is the masks were never doing anything. The CDC admitted they were wrong. Well, they didn't admit they were wrong. They came out with new evidence by saying that the virus was aerosolized. But when you say that, you're admitting that masks do nothing. So not removing a mask mandate or telling people to wear masks. It wouldn't have made sense to keep doubling down on that from the CDC standpoint, which is why all the people arguing with each other about how do you know if somebody was vaccinated or not, if they're not wearing a mask, oh, those non-vaccinated people will still be taking their masks off and we won't know. It doesn't matter. The masks aren't doing anything for you. The masks aren't keeping you safe. The masks have never been keeping you safe. So it's irrelevant who is vaccinated, who is not vaccinated, who is sick, who is not sick. There was a whole lot of people that got infected with COVID-19 after the mask mandate started. And you have to ask yourself why that is, which is there were a lot of people who didn't. They felt guilty. How did I get it? How did I get this virus? I've been doing the right thing. I've been wearing the mask. Masks don't do a damn thing to stop a virus. That is the reality of the science. And the CDC just kind of quietly backed themselves out of that whole argument by just pretending it was for other reasons they are lifting the mask mandate. But this is a good thing. It is not healthy to have a mask on to be breathing in all day when your breathing is being restricted by something in front of your mouth. It is not a good thing. So everybody on both sides of the COVID argument should be happy about this. The concept, though, is hilarious to me, which is seeing the reaction, including morons like David Hogg, who are like, well, I'm going to keep wearing the mask because I don't want people to think I'm a Republican. (laughs) 
Well, here's the funny part about what happened when the CDC said, if you're vaccinated, you can take the mask off. Now, the virtue signaling is to be maskless. Where it was originally, I wear a mask to be virtuous and show you that I'm virtuous. Now, it is not wearing a mask. Because even if you think you're a rebel, one of these mask haters, which I'm right there with you. But you think you're the big rebel. I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm going to make a point. Well, now, not wearing a mask says to the general public, you've been vaccinated. It doesn't matter if you have or if you haven't or if you're making your big political statement one way or the other. The virtue signaling now is to not wear a mask, which is what everybody wants to do anyway. So it's hilarious when it comes down to it. It is a huge switcheroo and the CDC somehow just kind of slipped that in and nobody's talking about the fact, well, you know, the mainstream media never would do it. But even a lot of the usual more conservative outlets, nobody's talking about the fact that this is just proving that the masks never did a damn thing in the first place. And that, I think, is one of the important things that we should take away from this, because there will be other viruses that hit. There will be other pandemics, and people will argue whether this was actually a pandemic or not. I'm not sure. It was definitely a virus that has ravaged through the world, whether the fallout really reached pandemic levels. I don't know. And maybe if there are some real scientists still out there, we'll have a lot more information about this as we start moving away from it. But everybody should be happy. You can take the masks off. You can go out and do what you want to do without suffocating, especially now that the weather's getting warmer. Take them off, smile, make eye contact. It's okay. And that's why you listen to the Random Thoughts podcast, because a year before the CDC tells you the virus is aerosolized, we told you that. And of course, I learned it from Adam Curry and the interview that he did with Maurice DeHunt, the dog, who brought us the knowledge long before other people were picking up on it. And it's, we also have to talk about this story today. Speaking of things that were complete and utter bull crap, and I fell into this 100% did a whole episode back in episode number 116 of the Random Thoughts podcast about the flaming hot Cheeto guy, Richard Montanez. And it turns out like crypto and like the story of how the virus spreads. It's all crashing down. And we're finding out that there, I was going to say maybe he embellished a little bit the story, but it seems like maybe the whole thing was absolutely made up. And it's interesting to follow this now. There is an article which most of the information we're going to be talking about today comes from the Los Angeles Times, which proved that there are still journalists out there who can write a meaningful story that can get details, that can 
put it together in a way that makes sense and breaks down the events. I mean, for a while, I was thinking that all journalism was dead. I don't know why the good journalists have come out to out a guy who claimed to invent flaming hot Cheetos when they can't cover politics correctly. Oh, wait, that's probably because they're in the bag for the people that are paying for the stories. But this just showed me that there are journalists out there who can still do their job. But when it comes to Richard Montanez, as we talked about in episode 116, the story of how he said he invented Flaming Hot Cheetos, this is something that had really blown up. It had taken the world by storm. His story was even now, it's in production now, I believe, for an upcoming Searchlight Pictures biopic, which will be also titled Flaming Hot, directed by Eva Longoria. And the interesting thing about this guy is he no longer works for the company, which was a Pepsi Corp was the company that owns Frito-Lay now or um, these things change hands so much. It's hard to tell. But he had built a lucrative career out of telling this story now of how he invented the Flaming Hot Cheeto. He has appeared at events for major companies, including Target, Walmart. Uh, He spoke at Harvard, spoke at USC, among others. And the fees that he's been getting per appearance to go out and make a inspirational speech telling the story of how he invented this iconic product and how he made it from rags to riches. He's getting between 10,000 and 50,000 a speech. So I'm understanding exactly why he is monetizing this story, why he may embellish a little bit. He has a second memoir coming out. I mean, most of us never write a memoir, but he has a second memoir coming out, also titled Flaming Hot, with a uh, subtitle of The Incredible True Story of One Man's Rise from Janitor to Top Executive. It's due to come out next month from a imprint of the Penguin Random House Company. It'll be interesting to see if that still comes out. It's going to be interesting to see if this movie gets made. But from the L.A. Times, a quote from Frito-Lay says, quote, none of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the flaming hot test market. We have interviewed multiple personnel who were involved in the test market, and all of them indicate that Richard was not involved in any capacity in the test market. And of course, I mean, this is a Hispanic guy, and we all know how woke the world is. So, of course, Frito-Lay added, quote, that doesn't mean we don't celebrate Richard, but the facts do not support the urban legend. So what I'm trying to understand is Frito-Lay is telling us that this guy totally made up the story. He had nothing to do with the origin of the Flaming Hot brand, bringing that into the market, making that one of the largest snack foods in the world. So he lied about all that, but 
that doesn't mean we don't celebrate him. What do you mean, Frito-Lay? I mean, if he's lying, why are you celebrating him? I don't get it. I don't get this concept that you allow people to do whatever they want, lie, cheat, and steal, and go, but we're still going to celebrate him. What are we celebrating? The fact that he's a charlatan? But it seems Mr. Montanez became a victim of the fact that this story got so large. Although he's the reason it became so large, and he apparently kept doubling down and monetizing this as it kept continuing to grow. Now, the way this allegedly now came about was the woman that was the head of the team to create this product finally heard about this story a few years ago and then contacted the people at Frito-Lay saying, you know, wait a minute, this, this isn't the way this happened. You know that there's somebody out there claiming that they invented this product. So the woman that seemingly was the one in charge of putting all of the flaming hot stuff into the market called up the people at Frito-Lay in the legal department. Her name was Lynn Greenfield. She saw a blog post on the Esquire website in 2018. It was the first she had heard this story from Richard Montanez. And she was like, well, this isn't right. So she reached out to Frito-Lay. She talked to the people in legal. Now, the person she talked to said that they knew uh, Richard well. They were aware of the book. They were aware of the movie project. And they had no idea what the problem was. Because over the time that it passed, I guess, from this product being invented to now, present day, nobody questioned the accuracy of this story. So he's been telling the story. Nobody's calling him on it. And I get it. This happens a lot. You hear that with like the stolen valor where people tell stories and nobody calls them out on it. Nobody seems to know the truth. So the more and more you tell the little lies and nobody calls you out that they are lies. Well, you continue to do so. They continue to grow. But this is how the investigation began, because according to Greenfield, she was the one who came up with the name Flaming Hot on her own. And this caused the investigation to start. And this is where things started falling apart with almost everybody at Frito-Lay that they talked to about this. There was one of the big stories that Mr. Montanez tells about presenting the product in a boardroom or in a room with a lot of members of the brass from Frito-Lay and how that whole thing went. And they talked to at least 20 people, the Los Angeles Times did, that worked with the company around that time who said they remembered no such meeting. Also saying if such a thing would have happened, it would have been a big deal. And even if they weren't in the room, then this story would have still spread. They remembered nothing about this story that Mr. Martinez tells. Now, the one person that does back up his story was an executive at the time for Frito-Lay 
named Al Carey. Now, he appears to be the only executive working at the time that the Flaming Hot development happened to endorse Mr. Montanetis's version of the story. In 1990, the Los Angeles Times article says Mr. Carey was working as vice president of national sales out of the Plano office when Mr. Enrico came in. This was the guy, the CEO that Mr. Montanez in his big story, if you listen to episode 116, this was the CEO that allegedly put out the call to think like an owner, to act like an owner. He wasn't actually the CEO that was in charge at the time that this product was invented. So, I mean, that is a big stain onto this story. I mean, Mr. Carey backed him up saying, quote, the product that we know today is Flamin' Hot Cheetos was definitely not out in the market before Martinez met with the people at Frito-Lay. That product was developed by the guys in the plant, said Mr. Carey. When he was asked, though, to explain the news clippings and former employee accounts that do place Flaming Hot Cheetos in the market two years earlier, that's when Mr. Carey hedged his statement saying, quote, that is such a long time ago. I bet there was a spicy Cheeto in the Chicago, L.A., maybe Houston market, too. So there's definitely questions here about what exactly happened. But one thing is for sure, it appears that Mr. Martinez told a story that was at least a little bit made up, if not entirely crafted in order to make him money with writing books, with giving speeches, having a movie made about his life. Now, I don't know what this will do to a movie if it comes out that the whole thing is a lie. I mean, it's still a hell of a story. It pulled, I think, all of us in that it was a great underdog story, a story that lets you know that you can succeed. And obviously, Mr. Montanez is proving that he can succeed. Oh, yeah, there was one other oddity in the story that he told that he was dropping out of school in like the fourth grade. Now, somebody came up with a high school yearbook that showed him as a freshman. So it seems like Mr. Montanez is just a really good storyteller. It was also noted that a bunch of Instagram posts that he had made over the last years have been deleted. So it appears that maybe the walls are closing in on this story. He refused comment on these articles from the Los Angeles Times. He did post a TikTok video or Instagram video telling people to stay positive and how they want to go. If it's a good message, they want to go after the messenger. But in this case, it seems like the messenger might have been a charlatan selling a story. I mean, a really good story. The guy should just write screenplays. But in the case of the Flaming Hot Cheetos, it appears that story was not the truth. So we apologize for bringing you that story because it was a great story. It really was. So it's a bit depressing to know that it was pretty much a fabrication. I mean, obviously, the guy still made it in the marketing business. 
and went up the ladder, which would have still been a great story. But when you have to lie, embellish a little too much, then people aren't going to take you seriously. And your story becomes one that's going to go down as a very negative one, as opposed to the positive story that it should have and could have been. But we will follow it and see if there are any other updates as this comes about. I have a feeling it's not the last we've heard of this, especially since Mr. Martinez has a book coming out and that movie coming out that was supposed to all be a part of this big blitz, a feel good story. Yeah, maybe it doesn't feel so good anymore. But I want to thank everybody for listening to the Random Thoughts podcast, giving us your time. We do appreciate it. And we do work on the value for value model here on the Random Thoughts podcast, which means we do these shows. You get to decide how much value you got out of them. I mean, I know we lied to you and brought you a story that was completely crap. So we have to send money back to everybody, I guess. But the system is you decide what kind of value you got out of the show. You put that into a number that's meaningful to you. And then you go over to randomthoughts.com slash donate, and you can click the donate button, do a one-time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route, send a check in. Your bank will do it for you. You don't even have to write a check. You don't have to buy a stamp. You don't have to get an envelope. It all works out. And you can use any of those crypto. And then you never know if I'm going to be rich after getting your donation or if the money's going to be gone. By the time I get it, crypto is a lot of fun. It's like going to Vegas, but you can do all of those by going to randomthoughts.com slash donate. And we do have one person to thank on today's show. And it's a big thank you to Craig Knowlesley, who comes in with $50, no notes, nothing. So a big thank you to Craig. We appreciate the support. And when you do send in the donations, PayPal gives you a box if you want to put something in there. If you miss that or it doesn't show, you can always email us, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at randomthoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L, or on the Fediverse, get your favorite Mastodon or Pleroma, find a place, get involved, and you can follow me at Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. I will be back next Wednesday for another edition of Random Thoughts. I'm sure the world will be uh, more calm, doubtful. Who knows where crypto will be? Maybe we'll all be wearing masks again. You never know. Either way, we'll be back. We hope you can join us. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 